0: Hey, News Dive listeners, it's Sam Carliner, and I'm joined by one of the most, uh, if not the most prominent, uh, Assange Trial journalists, Kevin Costola. He is the managing editor of Shadowproof, co-host of the Unauthorized Disclosure podcast, and as of this interview, our first returning guest on the show. Kevin, it's great to have you back on. Hey, it's great to be back with you. Of course. I... Wish it was for better reasons for the the, we'll get into the details. But the short version, in case any of our listeners don't know, is that this Monday, January 4, Judge Vanessa Britzer, who's been overseeing the Assange trial, ruled against a lot of expectations uh, against extradition, extraditing him to the United States. But then Wednesday decided that she would not give him bail. That the US is able to file for an appeal and he's going to be remaining in Belmarsh Prison. What what would you say? I mean, what do you think is the reason for such a contradictory ruling in the same week?
1: First, uh, I do think that we can still be relieved at the outcome because while he's not outside of Belmarsh High Security Prison, while he's kept in confinement. And at a moment when I think all reasoning should suggest that if you haven't been convicted, you should be outside of a prison because London has been put on lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Still, I think that the legal team for Assange looks at the appeal that lies ahead for the United States and, and feels like they're gonna be able to overcome whatever the u.s is gonna say to this appeal court which is a high court of justice and uh, that ultimately julian assange isn't going to see a reversal and that the extradition decision will stay the way that vanessa judge vanessa barretzer decided but that being said um it it is illogical because on one hand Judge Vanessa Barretzer made this argument that Julian Assange's mental health has... uh, is so uh, severely... uh, that he's deteriorated so severely that if he was extradited to the United States, he'd be put into a prison, and then he would try to commit suicide, and the authorities would not stop him. And yet, he's being kept in this prison where she even points out in her own ruling that inside of Bellmarsh, he is known to have hidden some aspects of his mental health from the psychiatrists or the psychologists who have met with him because uh, these doctors he fears would turn around and place him under constant watch and and that could be a kind of torture to be under some constant monitoring and, and so they recognize that he's likely hiding the, the full scope of, of what he's going through while he's in, in, in detention at Belmarsh. And yeah, so it makes absolutely no sense in this respect that Vanessa Beretzer would keep Julian Assange in prison, but she firmly believes that he's a flight risk. And um, we, you know, we can get into some of those details, but she she sees that he was convicted of jumping bail for the reason that he sought political asylum, which I think shows some contempt for what asylum is supposed to be. And she says that because he jumped bail by going to the Ecuador embassy, instead of allowing himself to be extradited to Sweden for the case there uh, for for allegations that were brought against him, that then he cannot be trusted to be released to house arrest during, uh,
0: well, while awaiting the appeal. So for any of our listeners who don't know, can you get into some of the details of his mental health uh, and why him remaining in prison, uh, as well as uh, the risk of COVID, why uh, it's just such a a risk for him to stay isolated?
1: Yeah, so Julian Assange suffers from a recurring depressive disorder uh, and uh, that was assessed almost immediately uh, in the months after he was brought to Belmarsh. And it got rather severe at the end of 2019. And so then throughout 2020, we saw him at various stages of the year through these extradition proceedings. Uh, I was actually in London in February before the pandemic and the rest of the year in 2020. Any proceedings that I covered, I was doing so remotely. And so as he appeared, you know, he did seem to be in a better state as 2020 progressed. But I remember that February hearing, he was having difficulty following along with the proceedings and he couldn't hear what was being said. And he just genuinely seemed to be going through uh, mental distress. And so, uh, you know, some, some things improved. He, he's been able to see family. Um, like his two children and and Stella, he was able to see them in March. But then with the pandemic, everything gets put back on lockdown and there's a great limitation as to how much he's able to interact personally with these people. It's hard for him to meet with his legal team to work on his defense, that creates some anxiety. And so uh, he has this mental health condition that could easily push him to try and commit suicide uh, as far as the doctors are concerned. This is evidence that was put on the record in an extradition trial, by the way. So for people who would hear this and think, you know, I'm just talking uh, because I'm a supporter of Assange or because I'm a journalist who doesn't think Assange should be prosecuted. I'm not just saying this because it's a convenient argument for somebody to get out of being held accountable for crimes they committed. I'm I'm saying this because this is what the judge has assessed, uh, or sorry, what what doctors have assessed when examining Julian Assange. And he's been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum, which is something that can be of great concern if you're going to be put in a prison um, and you you lack control of your surroundings and other people could bully you if you're in general population or if not, you're gonna be in solitary confinement conditions and that can be particularly stressful. Um, Not that it isn't stressful for somebody who isn't on the spectrum, but uh, this is what he could be going through. There are other physical health issues that were put on the record, such as the fact that he suffers from osteoporosis and he would get next to no treatment for this if he was in a prison So that could lead to hairline fractures in his ribs just from bending down to tie his shoes. So um, there are a lot of things that were put on the record that were of great concern about Julian Assange's health. He did not have good health when he was expelled from the embassy. Uh, He needed emergency dental care that he had been unable to obtain while he was in the embassy. There are other things like respiratory conditions that had gone untreated. And so there were doctors who had visited him. There's one doctor named Dr. Sandra Crosby who testified who had visited him in the embassy and had actually encouraged him to leave to seek medical treatment because she thought it could end in a fatal, um, and fatally for him. And obviously he held to his principle of staying inside the embassy. But um, all of this, has just continued to compound. So every time, every day that Julian Assange remains in this facility, I think adds to the wear and tear on his mind and his body as far as uh, his future would go.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that, that's, of course, I think the immediate concern, uh, but then uh, also even before he was denied bail, uh, a lot of people were drawing to the point that even though uh, vanessa barretzer chose to not extradite him her statement still held so many if not all of the claims being used against him that posed such a great threat to press freedom can you talk about how even on monday there were concerns about the decision she made and how she uh spoke against him Right, so it's been said
1: that about 90 to 95% of the decision entertains if not accepts the entire prosecution case that was put forward against him. And so what happens with this extradition decision is it is not an exoneration for Julian Assange. It does not clear him as far as allegations that have been put out there in the media. It does not help anybody feel any different. The reputation of WikiLeaks and Julian Assange isn't restored by Vanessa Baratzer denying this extradition request, but uh, what it does do is at least give them this modest hope that they might be able to beat the US government on an appeal. And And within this ruling, we see up and down things like She doesn't believe it's a politically motivated case. She's confident enough that prosecutors weren't under any pressure from within the Trump administration to treat this differently than Obama Justice Department attorneys treated it back in 2012 and 2013, as they had an opportunity to bring a case. There was a grand jury that was impaneled in 2010, and up through 2013, they had the ability to pre- to bring charges, and they declined, and that was reported in the press. And then Donald Trump entered, and it was Attorney General Jeff Sessions who decided to take a different approach to this case, a much more aggressive approach to pursuing Julian Assange while he was in the Ecuador embassy. And I think that led to some of the, the, the spying operation that ended up being directed at him by UC Global, the Spanish security firm that is actually facing charges in a Spanish court. She says that she believes that that was likely justified because the even though she didn't want to draw any conclusions about what went on with it, she could see why the U.S. would have had a high interest in putting him under surveillance. And that's because they viewed him as a national security threat. Then... You see in her ruling characterizations of WikiLeaks as a as a enterprise that was committed to hacking secret government documents, so she doesn't believe that WikiLeaks is an organization that engages in standard news gathering practices, although there were multiple witnesses from the defense that took the stand or submitted statements to try and show her that what WikiLeaks does is what a lot of establishment news media organizations do on a daily basis and uh, so she didn't find that to be persuasive enough or she was so beholden to the prosecutor's line of argument that she didn't factor that into her own decision and uh, furthermore uh, she does accept this idea that Julian Assange went beyond traditional uh activities of of journalism in the way that he is alleged to have assisted chelsea manning it does not seem to matter to her that there isn't evidence put on the record that proves the kind of conspiracy Um, it doesn't matter that there are things that don't add up about what uh the source was chelsea manning in 2010 who provided these documents to wikileaks it doesn't matter that julian assange Um, allegedly had conversations with her and uh, she already had access to the material so she would not have needed to hide her identity when she was grabbing and downloading these documents. She doesn't take a lot of this logic into account when making her ruling. She simply accepts at face value almost all of the prosecutor's arguments.
0: Can you touch on some of the reasoning, uh, she, or if it was either she or, or the U S applied to why he can't be, uh, let out of prison, why they can't monitor him and why this is, uh, incorrect and why there's a lot of proof that they easily could, um, allow him out on bail.
1: I don't honestly know why Vanessa Bretzer believes that Julian Assange couldn't be put on house arrest and tracked and put under surveillance and forced to show up at his appeal date. I don't accept the premise that he wouldn't show up for his appeal date, but let's just pretend like, yes, the moment that Julian Assange set free was set free, he was gonna try to make a break for an airplane or he was going to uh, methodically plot some kind of way to get to uh, another country's embassy in order to escape the country so that he did not have to continue to go through this extradition case we all saw at least we have images if people are not familiar the way that the british police responded to julian assange being in the ecuador embassy there's there's images of 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 cops lined up across the ecuador embassy you can see cops that are in the stairwell and they would peer into the windows of the Ecuador embassy. And we mentioned the spying operation already. There was surveillance that was conducted. The security services of uh, the UK had an interest in what Julian Assange was doing, as well as other European countries, I'd imagine, and also uh, the United States. The, The FBI, if not the CIA, had people who wanted to know what Julian Assange was doing inside of the embassy. So I would presume that if he was put under house arrest, there would be at least uh, a dozen people in different cars in the area that were keeping track of his movements and watching the house. They might even set up a camera to see if anybody, to, to follow anybody who came and went from the address in which he was placed under house arrest. Yeah, she gives no reasoning at all as to why she believes julian assange can't be given a, a gps ankle bracelet and allowed to be on house arrest uh, mind you at the same time um and this was noted actually in my appearance on jimmy dork uh that there's an al-qaeda uh, suspect who's guilty or, or alleged to have been involved in some kind of terrorism act that or some kind of terrorism offense guilty uh, uh, alleged to have committed some kind of thing that is gonna be put on house arrest in the UK. So they're not worried about um, someone who has ties or is, is aligned with Al Qaeda. They're not worried about that person trying to escape. But they're worried about Julian Assange um, outsmarting and, and and I don't know, I guess they think he's gotta to try to hack into his GPS ankle bracelet and then he's gonna magically disappear. So uh, this, is, this is where we are. This is why Julian Assange is still in a Belmarsh prison. I, I mean, I think we don't really have to accept the prejudice of her, although it exists. I mean, even if you believe that Julian Assange was gonna try to mobilize his support networks to help him win freedom. Um, And if you think that WikiLeaks was gonna try to do the same thing for him, that they were able to do for Edward Snowden in order to get out of Hong Kong, which was the argument that prosecutors put forward, even if you believe this, it 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 still doesn't answer the question of, how do you think he's going to escape? Because he's going to be put at a home address that the court knows that could be passed along to security services who would be able to monitor and make sure that he didn't flee. And then let's just get to something that I think we can all agree on without having to engage in hypotheticals. He hasn't been able to live with his two children and his fiance and just have a kind of peaceful time with them since he was hauled out of the embassy. And even before he was hauled out of the embassy never really got any time to just enjoy being with them without being under the close watch of uh, whoever was spying on him and also without being under the threat of expulsion from the embassy at any given moment.
0: So what are the next steps of this trial? How uh, is his team going to go about trying to get his freedom? Uh, Who is this handed off to? What, What are the details of what comes next?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So the appeal date is not set yet, but the U.S. government will file its appeal uh, I do not know if we're going to see the Justice Department wait for Joe Biden to be sworn into office and let the the, the change of leadership. We have an acting attorney general currently at the Justice Department as we're recording our, our conversation here. We see that Merrick Garland is Joe Biden's pick for attorney general and uh, I actually went looking to see if I could find anything on Merrick Garland related to WikiLeaks or if he has any opinion about the Espionage Act or leaks of classified information or or, or what he might think about the First Amendment and publishing leaked or hacked materials. There really are no cases that he's ever been involved in. Uh, There's nothing that suggests that he's a fierce opponent of freedom of the press and, and 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 things that are relevant to this case. There's nothing that suggests that he's going to be helpful to the Assange legal team and advocate for dropping charges against Julian Assange. Uh, we just know he's a pragmatist, he's an establishment figure, and he's likely to go along with whatever the rank and file of the Justice Department would say should be done with the Assange case. So We'll see if he assesses the history of this case and and examines what the Obama administration did and finds that they were making a better choice than the Trump administration. And maybe they'll put less energy and resources into this and perhaps they'll decide that they no longer wanna go forward with the appeal and uh, and just let this extradition case die on the vine. But since it's possibly um, unlikely or since people listening will feel like that's highly unlikely, what we expect is there will be a court date before the High Court of Justice and Julian Assange will have uh, another opportunity, well not another opportunity, the, the U.S. government will have another opportunity to say that the judge was wrong and uh, to, to, to go before this panel of judges and, and insist that the U.S incarceration system is not cruel and inhumane which i think is going to be a really tough thing for them to argue and and uh, so then they'll they'll say that the judge was incorrect in the way that she viewed julian assange's mental health and what could happen to him in a prison and hope that they're able to win an appeal but let me be clear here and i'm gonna make sure you understand that because the u.s government didn't have any difficulty proving the allegations against Julian Assange, that won't be the subject of the appeal proceedings. The appeal proceedings will, you know, we won't hear much discussion at all about what Julian Assange is alleged to have done. And there's no reason for Assange's legal team to appeal that part of the judge's decision because it didn't have any effect on, you know, whether the judge, uh, how the judge made her ruling. It's not like she, you know decided to authorize the extradition because um you know she didn't think it was a politically motivated case she still said no to the extradition so they can keep their mouth shut about the crimes that are alleged against julian assange and focus on rebutting whatever the us government will have to say about why julian assange should still
0: be put on trial in the united states well, since you mentioned that, I do actually want to ask somewhat outside of the context of Julian Assange, uh, since since we saw her repeating, as you said, 90 to 95% of the claims uh, that pose a threat to press freedom, and I think that signals sort of where we are uh, in terms of how safe it is to be a, a journalist, or at least a journalist whos who doesn't go along with uh, the general media establishment is there even any is there anything that press freedom people can do to sort of move the conversation back and uh fight these battles for press freedom now that assange is not as at the center of them as he was uh when we thought he was going to be extradited
1: Right. So the outcome of this case will continue to have lasting impact, even if Julian Assange prevails, because the judge is accepting that a U.S. Justice Department can bring an Espionage Act case against a, I'm going to put it this way, because it is a political case that the US government could bring a case against a dissident publisher or journalist. And so what I mean, somebody who's seen as more of an activist and not just a a straight up journalist who would work at a more uh, mainstream or corporate publication, those people around the world are the ones that have to look over their shoulder and fear being held, um, well, not accountable, but fear that they might be hit with charges if they publish classified government documents from the United States government, or that they might have to be concerned if they publish documents from other governments who could be emboldened here and think that if the U.S. can can do it, then so so can we. We can also assert our authority and protect our government secrets from being published. So they may try to extradite other journalists to, you know, could be the UK, maybe it's Australia, maybe it's Israel or Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Brazil, could be Russia or China. You can go down the list of countries that have abysmal press freedom records and see that they that they could be ones who saw what happened with the decision on Monday and and feel like this means that they can target journalists as well. And so If Julian Assange does prevail and uh, this extradition case is effectively lost and cannot be salvaged by the US government, then it's going to be up to people around the world to recognize the deterioration of press freedom that has been intensified by this case. Um, And there are examples, both in the United Kingdom and Australia, as well as here in the United States, of of that uh, erosion of freedom of the press, which you, know, you could fill a whole hour to two hours having a conversation. I mean, it's not just, it's not just from Trump being mean to journalists during press conferences at the White House. It's you know, things like the, the denial of Freedom of Information Act requests that should be granted when people ask for access to documents which are taxpayer funded. You know, those are our those are that's our information that the government is creating and logging and documenting and keeping in databases. This is why Julian Assange and WikiLeaks are committing committed to forcing transparency because they understand that the documents that governments have in their clutches belong to the people of those countries and should not be kept under lock and key by elites. So Uh, you see in the UK that there are documents that they have secret about what the UK was doing to ensure that Assange remained in the UK um, and so he would still be there available for the US to extradite and and why they did not want Sweden to drop the, the sexual allegations case against him and those records related to those maneuverings remain uh, secret, even though a journalist in Italy named Stefania Maurizzi has requested those records. And in fact, there's a case unfolding where they might decide that people who are not from the UK are, are that those people who are not from the UK are not allowed to request those records that they have to be a British resident in order to get information, which has never been the standard in that country. And we see things in the uh, country of Australia, which has failed to protect Julian Assange that are somewhat alarming because uh, there's a whistleblower case, Um, David McBride, who exposed uh, war crimes by Australian soldiers in Afghanistan, and now he's facing prosecution. Uh, I believe that ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, had their office raided by authorities there related to those materials, even though the government then turned around and did an investigation of of troops that were accused uh, or implicated in war crimes committed. And so we just see that um, in these countries, these uh, and I haven't even talked about Ecuador, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Ecuador in February, but it's possible that there's another political shift back to having a left-wing government similar to the one that was uh, Rafael Correa's government, which granted Julian Assange asylum. So right now we have Lenin Moreno in office, and he, of course, gave... Julian Assange up to the U.S. authorities by forcing him out of the embassy, by revoking his citizenship as well as his asylum. And uh, so there is a plenty, plenty out there for all journalists around the world to grapple with. Um, and, and some of it at the core involves what has been done to Julian Assange, but there are also other matters connected and related that have to be addressed by the country by, uh, the global press freedom organizations, as well as journalists from news media all over.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been seeing a, maybe not bigger, but, um, just in, in, my own, uh, personal interactions, a big push to get rid of what would be considered, I think the root of the problem, which is the Espionage Act as a whole, uh, clearly ambitious, uh, but in the meantime, there is still the push for Trump uh, or Biden to pardon Assange to at least currently uh, push back some of the losses in press freedom we've seen uh, and have him be free. I mean, do you think that, what do you think are the challenges in getting, aside from the obvious, what do you think are some of the challenges in getting either Trump on his way out, uh, which he's clearly shown no interest in, or Biden, uh, who is very, a, a, I think, a true believer in U- US national security. What do you think are some of the angles that may prevent them from pardoning him? And are there any angles that could be pushed for uh, really making a case for a pardon I, aside, that they may appeal to?
1: Yeah, so the case uh, for and against a pardon. I've always thought that Donald Trump was more likely to pardon Julian Assange than Joe Biden is likely to drop the charges against Julian Assange. Uh, Now, the case has been, which I didn't expect, decided against the United States. So Joe Biden is in a position to... uh, recognize that the U.S. has a losing case and go ahead and dissolve it. Merrick Garland could recognize that this isn't going to be won and they could dissolve it or some other career prosecutor could make that recommendation. So that's always a possibility. I I reiterate what I said earlier, repeat what I said earlier. And Trump could feasibly pardon Julian Assange because there are voices who are conservative and on the right who have called for it, just like they've spoken up for a pardon for NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. And uh, he might decide that this could be something he could do to at least make some people happy before he leaves over the last 12 days of his presidency i was presuming um, he stays in office for the rest of those 12 days, which I expect to happen. But you know, there's a lot of discussion about how he could be removed or impeached. But you know, he's going to go out um, with the, the 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 lowest reputation that he's had for his four years. He's going to have the most abysmal approval rating of his entire presidency, and this might be something he could do to help people. Uh, to, to help him feel like there are at least those out there who do like, you know, there, there might be a few people who can recognize that he, he, he has done some good. Uh, I mean, it would be extremely limited, but obviously if Julian Assange was pardoned by Donald Trump, I would have to say this was a good choice. I'm glad that Donald Trump pardoned Julian Assange in the same way that if that was what he did with Edward Snowden, I would have to say this is the right choice. I'm glad that Edward Snowden no longer is going to face prosecution and could return to the United States. So um, as far as Joe Biden goes, uh, if a pardon did not happen for Julian Assange, I think the most persuasive argument for the administration is to get somebody on the record to answer what they believe has changed. What do you think has changed since? Joe Biden was vice president under Barack Obama, because the Obama administration didn't prosecute. And we need to figure out what they feel about the prosecution that was brought by the Trump administration. Do they endorse it when there were rank and file prosecutors who did not think they could pursue this case without threatening the First Amendment? I think that is the core issue that we should focus upon. It isn't, oh, you're wrong. WikiLeaks was never involved with the Russians. Oh, you're wrong. Julian Assange didn't help Donald Trump get elected. I'm not sure that those will lead to any place where we're able to uh, help Julian Assange get freed. But what we can do is try to figure out what they believe has changed and if they can be convinced that nothing has changed, and in fact, the Trump administration or the Trump Justice Department made the wrong choice in bringing this case, and that it goes outside the, the, the sort of guidelines that the Justice Department would typically follow, then maybe they will pull back. Maybe they would decide that they don't need to pursue the case. Um, you know, there's a reason why this case exists. The CIA supports it, the U.S. intelligence agencies support it. They want a wholesale delegitimization of WikiLeaks. They're behind the smearing of Julian Assange's reputation. They want to push a whole lot of propaganda. They believe that this public disclosure organization is a threat to the United States. But that said, WikiLeaks is much, much weaker than it was 10 years ago. It barely publishes the kinds of documents, and it actually barely publishes documents anymore. They've been consumed by this case and focused on defending Julian Assange. They've had to spend all their funds on trying to keep Assange from being extradited to the U.S. There's also a lot of questions about whether they could protect sources who provide documents. So I don't think that they need to worry too much that if Assange was let off, that Wikileaks is going to be able to be the same organization it was 10 years ago that presented a challenge to US power. And that doesn't mean they won't try and rebuild and operate after, but it's been smeared so aggressively that people think, you know, it, it serves the agenda of Russia, it serves uh, people who are aligned against the United States. Or it's out for all all manner of of people who are considered to be ugly and so i do think that that would persist if they drop the charges so to me uh okay so back to my initial point if you really want joe biden to drop the charges the thing has to be to get officials on the record in public To talk about this case we want to know their view nobody has had to talk about this yet who is incoming into the biden administration um we 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 just don't really know what they have to think about this case joe biden did comment for a new york times questionnaire but it was fairly run of the mill it didn't engage with specifics and so now we we need people to be put on the record and then we need to challenge them and force them into dropping the charges so that Julian Assange can be freed.
0: My last question before we wrap up, and you've touched on this a little bit, but uh, since I I know you often will uh, disagree, and I think everyone uh, who talks about this tends to have disagreements on how to have the conversation, how to move it forward, how to uh, expand interest and handle it best, What do you think is the best way forward for uh, pushing this to a larger audience, for growing support for Assange and really focusing the key issues that could result in his freedom as well as a uh, strengthening of some of the press freedom that we've seen chopped away?
1: I would recognize that there's a lot of propaganda out there about Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And so, to the extent that people know anything about Assange or WikiLeaks, uh, you need to hear where people's minds are at first. And I would encourage in-person conversations to the extent that that's possible. I understand during a pandemic there aren't really gatherings happening. There might be gatherings outside. You know, I know there are demonstrations that still happen. Uh, you know, there might be a possibility of, of of speaking to people on on the streets. Um, as, as we head into the spring and, uh, and winter ends. But, uh, and obviously the vaccine is gonna be spread and p- people are gonna go back to their lives, I expect at some point in 2021. So this case is still ongoing. We need these in-person conversations. You know, there could be webinars that organizations hold with people who are activists. I do think community groups can do things to try and uh, raise awareness. You could go out to a corner with free Assange signs and and you can make a statement. And if people come up to you and, and want to know what this is about and, and why you're doing what you're doing, if they think you're crazy, you want to figure out where they're coming from. What do they know about Assange? What don't they know about Assange? And then if you can have a few minute conversation, just say some of the things that, you hear in uh, my interviews, and what you hear in from from journalists who are covering this case, um, and what is uh, what is evident if you look at the statements from press freedom organizations like Reporters Without Borders, where they say that quite clearly this is a political prosecution of someone who is a journalist, um, and you know if. If in your conversation you don't want to get into personality and you don't want to talk about Julian Assange and you think the quickest route to winning somebody over is to just make a principled argument about press freedom and the First Amendment, simply say that it's dangerous for the Espionage Act to be brought in the way that it has been brought because it's going to undermine freedom of expression in the United States and it's going to make our government even more corrupt and unaccountable if national security journalists especially have to fear being prosecuted because they accepted government documents from a source and remind them that there are a number of examples in the last 20 years when the kinds of stories that WikiLeaks made possible had a huge effect in uh, exposing corruption and crimes that needed to be known to everyone and it wasn't just wikileaks that unraveled some of the excesses and and uh, illegitimate acts by the US government during the war on terrorism but it was you know it was the new york times who revealed that president george w bush was engaged in warrantless wiretapping by the NSA it was the washington post that published exo exposés on top secret america and looked at the network of companies and the the security industrial complex that was involved in in activities after 9/11 and how they were getting rich off of this and Uh, dug into, and and there were exposés from the Post on CIA rendition and and the operations that involved torture. There have been newspapers that exposed all manner of abuses and crimes by the Bush and uh, Obama administration. Drones, drones are an example of something we know all kinds of information about and how they were used to carry out extrajudicial killings but that's only possible because journalists publish documents without permission from the U.S. government. Uh, wars, we, we learn about uh, planning for wars. Um, and we don't get this information because a U.S. government official says, I give you my permission to publish this. It gets into the public because someone who is a journalist has a source and decides that this is information that people need to know. And so that's what people need to hear. There needs to be a reckoning about how valuable it is for organizations like WikiLeaks to exist. Demystify it. Say it's not really as dangerous as you've been led to believe. In fact, it does just about the same kind of work as New York Times or Washington Post. They just don't have the same Ideology. They just—they're not part of the establishment. WikiLeaks is part of um, uh, has has much more aggressive view about transparency, and so that leads to different stories being pushed. Um, it leads to them publishing more information. So in that sense, you could export them even more than you would a corporate news outlet. So I think that that might be a step to getting people to recognize that. What has been said about Assange for the last five to ten years is in bad faith, it's not based in fact, um, and it's intended to push an agenda by the uh, U.S. government.
0: Well, Kevin Gastola, I really appreciate you taking the time to cover all of this and the work you're doing. Where can people follow your reports on Assange, WikiLeaks and uh, other topics?
1: you can go to uh, my twitter at k gastola k g-o-s-z-t-o-l-a or um, i have a newsletter called uh, the dissenter it's dissenter d-i-s-s-e-n-t-e-r.substack.com and there um, i send out stories about whistleblowers as well as updates on wikileaks every week there's a there's a free newsletter portion and also if you know you end up subscribing there's some exclusive material and and yeah i think that's the easiest way to stay in contact and to know the latest developments related to julian assange right well i hope people check it out